This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Um, as uh, as we mentioned, uh, Josh Haston, LandofIsrael.com, Gush Etzion Foundation, Gush Etzion Regional Council. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff on his resume and the places that he's... Uh, that he's um, worked at and influenced and been part of over the years. Amazing advocate for Israel, lives in Al-Azhar. And uh, Josh is going to help us remember Ari Fold this morning as uh, the collective Jewish pain from what happened yesterday in the Gush continues to agonize and continues to pierce the hearts of a Jewish People and the Israel lovers around the world. Josh Haston, Gmar Chatimatova, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me on this uh, very difficult day here in Israel. Um, last night I was watching uh, somebody do a Facebook Live video from your area, and uh, he said that you know there are, I'm obviously Yuntiv is tomorrow night, and big holiday coming up at the uh, at the end of the week early next week so obviously people have things to do and but uh, he described the situation in the gush that everyone who needed to go about their business went about their business yesterday but essentially in complete silence essentially in a daze essentially not communicating one to the other just walking around in this terrible despondent immediate mourning that took place after everything was learned about the episode yesterday, would you say that's an accurate description of what's going on both in the Gush area and in many, many areas of the world right now? Yeah, just listening, listening to you give that description, I, I literally have the chills right now, uh, just going back 24 hours, um, hearing the news that there was a terror attack in Gush Etzion. I actually was in Jerusalem, and, um, you know, as the case way too many times uh, the phone starts going off and the news um, news sources start talking about a terror attack in Gush Etzion. So what is the first thing that I did? I turned on Facebook to see what Ari Fold was going to post about what was happening. Hmm. That was the first thing that I did because he was always the first one posting or actually running to the scene to report the truth about Israel. So that that's right there. I mean, I, that's, I didn't put two and two together at that point. I thought maybe he was away. Maybe he was doing getting ready for, for Hag. I don't know. But at that point, and for the rest of the afternoon and the rest of the evening, on into the night and, and the funeral, which, you know, I, we, all, we all got home at 2.30 in the morning, I think that describes it very well. People we're still out and about at the mall, the same mall where, where you know where he was murdered right outside, but it was an eerie, eerie feeling. I mean, I was there with the mayor of Gushetzion, Shlomo Neman, and his staff. He temporarily relocated his office to the actual place where Ari fell, where he breathed his last breath. A hero shooting at the terrorist who just seconds earlier stabbed him. Um, so we were sitting out there, and on the one hand, there was this eerie silence. On the other hand, you had people coming and having lunch and people going in the mall and doing their shopping. 
But we've seen that here in Israel again, and whether for better or for worse, there is a resiliency here. I remember when the buses were blowing up in 2002. Yeah. An hour later, the scene would be cleaned up and people would be going about their business. Yeah, no so question about there was a little bit of that. But on the other, on the other hand, um, yesterday was, was, you know, for me personally and for so, so many, uh, extremely, extremely difficult. Josh Haston with us from Israel. By the way, we should mention uh, multiple times uh, that there is a GoFundMe campaign for the Fold family that's been set up. Anybody who has Facebook, you can go to my profile. I've posted it. The Siegel family has contributed, as, uh, as thousands have from around the world. And I'm sure Josh can attest to the fact that uh, whatever financial help we can give the family certainly is necessary and welcome at this time. Um, c- explain the episode. You've had your own close calls. Thank God you've survived them. Uh, you've described them for us on the air. You, you've described the adrenaline, the decision-making, the snap judgment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. C- can you understand how a friend of yours who had a fatal wound um, was able to react the way he did? So I can under- understand it on one hand because when that adrenaline kicks in and uh, as scientists and doctors talk about the fight-or-flight phenomenon, it, it is real. And that is most likely what kicked in when Ari was literally bleeding with his lung puncture with a knife wound from his back extending into his lung. He had the, uh, he was in a frame of mind where he could actually, in those seconds, turn, run after the terrorist, and shoot. Now, that being said, one of his siblings at the funeral last night said that he didn't believe that theory. He, he believes that Ari was already gone. His neshama took over his body. That's what caused him to to act with great heroism to save other lives. Because who knows how many other people could have, God forbid, been stabbed. So there's two theories there, and I can't play God here. I don't know what it is, but you know, being in a situation myself where you have three, four seconds to decide what to do, all I can say is, um, in getting out of it unscathed, thank God myself. I'm not so fortunate for my good friend Ari. A fight or flight kicks in, and you act. But but this is something that I would never have um, doubted in, with Ari, because Ari was, again, as I said before, whether it was the first one to report from a scene, whether it was his role on the first response volunteer anti-terror unit in Efrat, plenty of times where Ari the next morning shot a video saying, last night I was out all night affecting my community. We caught a, a terrorist trying to infiltrate or whatever the security security situation was. He was a part of that. I mean, he, 24-7, put his body physically in the line of fire for his community, for his people, for the nation of Israel, for the land of Israel. And not only physically, uh, that we saw time and time again, but also in terms of, as I said it uh, yesterday several times, truly atoning for the sin of the spies sharing the beauty of the land of Israel to thousands all over the world, yeah. sharing the the humanity and just how wonderful the land of Israel is. Somebody else mentioned yesterday he had a Facebook follower in Saudi Arabia <laughs> who was in touch with, with, with Ari of, of all countries. So his reach was wide in the thousands, and you saw it. I mean, the guy put up Facebook videos, other than on Shabbat, he put up videos 
most of the time, because that's really the case here in Israel, sharing beautiful things, delivering packages to soldiers, which, which was his passion to take care of the soldiers, north, south, east, or, or west. Just tell you a, a little a story from three weeks ago. I'm in my car, uh, about to pull into my house, and I get a, uh, one of those, not a Skype, what's a FaceTime? Right. From Ari. Right. And I, and I click it on, and there, well, we hold Ari sitting next to my nephew. And I'm thinking, how, well, how do you know my nephew? How did you make this connection? And apparently my nephew has, is working with this organization that makes these cold packs for soldiers that they put around their necks, and when they're on guard duty and it's 100 degrees, <laughs> it keeps them cool. So he, he and Ari are driving to Hebron to deliver cold packs for the soldiers down there. Somehow they connected, and they wanted to say hi. Somehow they, got, you know, they figured out that, that this was my nephew, we were related. They sent me this message. That's the way Ari was. He was always on the front lines doing things for soldiers. When the rockets fell in Sterot, he went to Sterot. He didn't, you know, the, right. the tendency is if you know rockets are falling, you go the other way. He went to Sterot. When there were other attacks at the Gush Junction, he was the first one on the scene there. He was always the first one on the scene. And that's why, looking back at it now, how, how eerie it was not to see a message from him the second that the attack happened in Gush because he was always first. He was always first. I could never, you know, for better or for worse, you know, nobody wants to be the first to report on a, on a bad thing, but he had his pulse on the nation like nobody else, and that's the reason there were, I don't know if it was 7,000 or 10,000, I have never seen, other than for a Gadol Hador, when there's a funeral in Jerusalem, they block up all the streets and you have half a million people. In terms of a civilian, which he really wasn't a civilian. I mean, he was essentially doing a job that, you know, other governments do. I'm not trying to criticize the government, but I'm saying he did it on his own as a volunteer, all the Hasbara, if you will. Thousands and thousands of people came to pay respect last night until we got home at 2.30 in the morning, and nobody was budging. Everybody wanted to hear. Everyone wanted, everybody wanted to be there for the burial, to send Ari off to the burial. He deserved way, way before his time, way too soon. Uh, Josh Haston is with us live via telephone. Go back for a minute to yesterday, just so people understand what sure. went on. Uh, he, he he literally based again on, on the on what you described to us earlier. He literally neutralizes the terrorist. Right? He's responsible for the terrorist stopping yeah. in his tracks. He literally neutralizes the and and at that point he at at the point or at the place where he shot he he literally collapses and that's where the first responders find him. Exactly, exactly. That, that's what happened. Two other people did shoot as well, both the security guard from uh, the mall, right up, you know, uh, the guy who was guarding the entrance to the mall where the incident happened, and then, from what I understand, somebody who was having lunch inside heard gunshots, ran out, and also fired. So I, don't, I can't tell you today which bullet was the one that neutralized, right. which bullets could have been uh, double. Unfortunately, the terrorist is still alive being treated in an Israeli hospital, but I don't want to get into that for today. Right. Um, but he he used his last seconds on Earth to stop what could have been a much greater uh, disaster. I mean, you can see there were women there shopping who were running in the parking lot there. 
It's, uh, you know, two days before Yom Kippur here, people are already out in the stores doing their shopping for Erev Yom Kippur. Yep. It could have been much, 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 much yeah. worse. He was a hero yesterday, but it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't just from yesterday. He did not. Arifold Shemikom Damo did not become a hero yesterday. He was a hero his entire life. He was a hero when he fought in the Second Lebanon War. He also had a near uh, near death experience there, where his vest saved him from shrapnel, uh, which could have killed him there. And he was a hero. Every single day, I, I, you know, that little green dot that you see when people are online, on Facebook or on whatever, right. social media, his dot never went <laughs> off. And I'll just share, you know, another, it never went off. Three in the morning, Saturday night, 1 a.m., I took a long Shabbat nap. So when that happens, I'm up late. 1 a.m., all of a sudden I get a message. It was just 10 hours before he was murdered. 10 hours before he was murdered, I get a message from Ari saying, you did a great job. I was, I was, I'm on this, thanks to Ari, I do this regular TV debate show on ILTV. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a left-winger, a right-winger, it's called Israeli Frenemies. Right. Because I was on a video with Ari, one of his videos, they called me, the producer called me and said, hey, do you want to try to come on the show? So I've been doing it regularly now. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, I get a message from Ari saying, you did an awesome job on this week's show. Keep up the good work. I don't have the exact words, but... You know, he was awake, he was up, he took the time to say, great job, keep up the good work, stay strong. And that's the person he was. That's the Ari that I knew, and that's the Ari I had a, many, many opportunities. There's a very small Anglo, call it Tazbara, public diplomacy circle here in Israel, and especially in Judea and Samaria. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone tries to help everyone spread the messages um, and, and and he was, as somebody said last night, he was the general. He was the general. And this morning, this afternoon, we're missing our general. Yeah. You know, I, one of the reasons I asked about the episode specifically, and um, obviously, you know, in, in many of these cases, we see that first responders are able to save lives. Obviously, Hashem had other plans yesterday, and, and the, the terrorist, uh, you know, unfortunately accomplished his goal. Uh, a little too well as far as we're concerned. But the reason I mention it is because um, for the last many, many years, Josh, um, we, watching from thousands of miles away, and certainly those like you who are on the spot, have seen some of our absolute best taken from us by the enemy. We have seen some of the greatest giborim, and Ari was referred to as a gibor, rightfully so, some of our greatest giborim, some of the most incredible, um, incredible Jews, incredible Jews, incredible defenders of Israel, people who literally gave life and limb for the state of Israel, the people of Israel, and the land of Israel. And it just sometimes it's, you know, we, we look, we look from far away from a distance and we, we, we ponder how it's unbelievable how the enemy doesn't just go after our people, but takes away our best and brightest, the greatest leaders, the greatest generals, as you called him, you know, those who we look to, to really lead us into the future. And I just thought I'd mention that because I'm sure that uh, you can cite many, many people who've been victims of terror, um, you know, who, who belong in that category. 
Yeah, sadly, you are, you are correct. I mean, uh, without really getting into politics, just giving you the facts, since 1993, 1,600 Israelis have been murdered uh, at the hands of terrorists or have been killed in military wars, operations, battles, basically, you know, also fighting against the terrorists. And we've lost a lot of good people um, over the years. Uh, I mean, listen, you know, I mentioned uh, the last 25 years, quarter of, of uh, a century, but this has really been going on for a hundred years, whether you're talking about the brave Jews of 1929, or those who fell fighting for the uh, independence of the state of Israel. We have lost a lot of good people, but as, as they say, um, the song, as the song goes, you know, the the Jewish people are not afraid of a long road. And we know this is, (laughs) this has been our history for 3,000, 4,000 years. We've been down many, many tough paths, many, many battles throughout our, our history. That being said, this is still, this is still, and I hope the listeners understand this, and they're not deterred from visiting Israel and coming to Israel and supporting Israel. This is still the greatest time, and Ari would agree with me if you were here today, the greatest time to be a Jew, the greatest time to be in the land of Israel, where we can defend ourselves with our own army, I'm getting a little emotional now. I apologize. No problem. We have our own army. We have our own government. We control our own fate and our destiny. Nobody else does that. And it has not been like this since the Maccabees, since the Maccabees. It's been a long, long time. It's the greatest time to be alive and a Jew in the year that, that we just started, 5779. Yeah, no question about that. And I want to remind everybody that the... Uh that there is a GoFundMe campaign to support the Fold family at this time. Go to my Facebook page, and you will see the link, and we encourage everybody to give as generously as possible. Josh, this is not the day for it, but I can't resist. So deal with this as delicately as you can. What are your thoughts when you see the Prime Minister of Israel walk into uh, Yona Fold and his wife and sons and come and speak to them before the funeral? Um, but I wasn't there. I mean, you know, I know what happened, and I heard some of the messages. And, and Rabbi Fold, by the way, was my rabbi wow. yeah, in 1994, a gap year program in Israel. So I've known the Fold family for a long time. And, and then we were neighbors in Baca when I lived in Jerusalem. Rabbi Fold and I, we reconnected after I, I uh, moved to Baca. Um, listen, uh, the prime minister of the state of Israel has... Uh, has a great responsibility as the weight of the Jewish people on his shoulders. Certainly things, if I had a one-on-one with him, I would tell him in terms of what I think needs to be done in terms of the terror attacks and that the IDF should have more free reign to act against those who seek our destruction. I mean, we know where this terrorist came from, where he lived, and I know they'll probably destroy his house, so they'll probably destroy the room in his home, depending on the way uh, it's ruled in court. But if it was me, again, I would encourage much more deterrence. I know we have the Taylor uh, Force Act now, and Israel passed a similar legislation in order to try to rid the so-called uh, slay-the-pay program of the, of the Palestinian Authority. 
And I know the idea for Texas, we don't hear, by the way, we don't hear 90 plus percent of the attacks which are thwarted. Right, that's true. That, those don't make the news. Right. And the, and the idea for security reasons can't share that information. You might hear something a couple months later without getting a full story. So we're grateful for the IDF. We know that they are with, you know, protecting us 24-7. I just wish there was something more we could do in terms of the deterrence so that these 17-year-old kids don't have access to an educational system which preaches the hate of Jews and hate of Israelis from birth, that doesn't have the Internet which encourages these types of attacks, incitement in the media and in the school books, or the PA school books or the UNRWA school books, you know, if, if I speak to the prime minister, I would say we need to do more. And again, hard to get into the politics today and whatnot, but I still think there's more that we can do. And uh, and hopefully everything, uh, would need, would, whatever needs to be done, will get done uh, so that there are no more Jewish victims, as my friend Mark Provisor always says from the One Israel Fund, no more Jewish victims. Yeah. Josh Hastings with us live from Israel. Uh, he was there till early in the morning uh, at the uh, funeral of Ari Fold. You mentioned the Fold family, and um, my wife and I were sharing with each other yesterday how you know we know members of the Fold family for over forty years at this point, and there are probably people listening right now, especially in this area, in the New York, New Jersey area, that know uh, the Fold parents and and the brothers and and uncles and cousins. You know, sometimes I think you don't need to be a Montefiore or a Rothschild or a Rivlin to make a difference in the uh, in the state of Israel or for the Jewish people. Sometimes uh, you could just be one amazing family that decides to, you know, change their address from the U.S. to Israel and make a tremendous impact. And I think there are a lot of families like that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, the Folds in particular, I know how that Folds came from the world of SAR, made Aliyah, brought his whole family here. And, you know, just speaking about them, each one of their kids individually has contributed tremendously to the state of Israel. And obviously yesterday, Ali paying the ultimate price, losing his life at the age of 45. But there are many families who um, change gears entirely, adapt to uh, their Aliyah reality, and contribute and make meaningful contributions to the state of Israel. I mean, we could do a whole show just on, you know, I think actually last year, I think the Jerusalem Post magazine came out with an article about top 50 contributions, uh, Anglos who contributed to the state of Israel since its founding or something like that. I mean, there's so many who are, who fit that bill, who come here, pick up their families, move to Israel, make an impact, and, you know, then are given the Israel Prize or, or whatever, you know, whatever award it is in their field. And uh, the folds certainly fit that bill. Josh, have you interacted, uh, um, you know, before or after the funeral with the Fold family yet at this point? Yeah, I, I paid a shiva call uh, this morning. And um, because Yom Kippur starts, tomorrow evening. The Shiva is only a day and a half. So my options will go today, and then tomorrow, I think, Rabbi Fold, I think, from what I understand, is going to Jerusalem. So I was at the Shiva at about uh, 9, 9.30 this morning, and it was packed. It was packed. I knew it was going to be packed in a frat. I parked 10 houses down, knowing there's no way I'm going to get any closer, and it was round the clock 
uh, people were coming in, people were coming out. I had an opportunity just to, you know, um, say a few words to several of the brothers who I know personally and to Rabbi Fold. And then I had to, you know, kind of edge my way out so the next people could come in. And there was a deputy uh, minister in the government was coming in as I was walking out. And there were other uh, ministers and members of Knesset at the funeral last night, and I'm sure they're going to be paying shiva calls as well. Uh, literally today, because of the, I mean, even if it was a full seven-day shiva, I still think it would be packed based on what I saw last night at the funeral. But so I did get to say a few words to Rabbi Fold and, to, and several of his sons this morning. I got to leave a message in the in the guest book, um, which they have set up at the entrance of uh, this is the Ari's house. Um, uh, there in Efrat, so that's where that's where they're sitting, Shiva with his wife and his four children, uh, who had their father ripped away from them in such a horrible manner yesterday. Um, and then they're going to get up tomorrow uh, before Yom Kippur and have to uh, somehow pick up the pieces. Um, and as Ari's wife said last night, she promised, standing there over his body, she promised that she would raise the children and take care of the children. And um, again, I'm getting emotional again, but it's extremely difficult. But those are the promises that she was making last night. And uh, and I'm sure she has a lot of support from family and friends. These are tight-knit communities we have here in the Gush, Frat, one of them. Um, I'm sure people will be, be checking in on, on the folds, Ari Fold and his widow and the, and the kids for many, many years to come. That's what we do as Israelis, and I know that's what we do as Jews all over the world as well. Um, the uh, Based on what we saw, and you know how many thousands of people were watching the funeral from around the world, it, it seems like his wife and children are are um, ha- have the same type of disposition that he had. Would you agree with that? I, I, I don't know them so well. I mean, Ari and I were, and I would say, we were definitely friends, had a professional relationship. Um, I didn't get to know his family up until now, and he didn't get to know my family as well on that on that level. We did so much together in terms of, you know, being out in the field. Was, I remember last summer we went to, we, did a, we took a plane ride over the south to see the situation with the Bedouin or, you know, other different events and trips and Hasbara and whatnot, or the Knesset, we would meet all these different things. I mean, but but in terms of, of the family, just based on what I saw yesterday and today, I mean, imposed under these circumstances beyond belief, beyond belief, composed last night, composed today. I mean, I I don't know how to, how to, how to explain it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there were many, many tears many many questions being asked but based on what I saw today they they were composed and are looking to continue the holy work that that Ari was was doing fulfilling his legacy Josh can you explain this uh procedural matter that that one at the it seems that if based on what I read it seems that at the age of 41 can choose to be discharged from the army. Would that be accurate? And and Ari decided not to. Would that be the way to portray this? Yeah. Listen, I, I didn't do the army myself. I, I made out the I was already twenty six. So the army uh, said, "Don't call us. We'll call you." <laughs> um, and and I, I actually I actually had got a cease and desist letter 
from the army because I kept bugging them. <laughs> one point I snuck in. I mean, this isn't about me, but one point I snuck in to the Mishkatak Youth, the enlistment center, and made it all the way up. You know, in Israel, you have to pretend like you're the boss. So I made it up to his, the director's office, sat down in the chair opposite him, and said, when are you taking me? And a week later, I got a letter in the mail, basically cease and desist. So anyway, that's my story. But yes, I, it's around the age of 40, 41, that you no longer have to do Mivuim, reserve duty. And I heard last night at the funeral, I think his wife shared that when he got that letter saying, you're done, he literally, literally tore it up, ripped it up. And so now here he was at 45, four or five years past the age, past the limit, in which he had to serve. And um, plenty of times I would call him for something, and he would say, can't talk, Mivuim, recently, in the last year. So he, he was not looking to retire from military uh, reserve duty at any point in the near future. I mean, he was in great shape. He was a karate expert. He taught women, from what I understand, Krav Maga, on how to protect themselves, mm. ironically, from the same attack that happened to him right. um, yesterday. Similar attack. I mean, you know, when somebody sneaks up behind you and sticks you with a knife in the back, there's not much you can do, but but if you have a couple seconds to see it coming, he was teaching women how to defend themselves. Uh, again, you know, a professional, a black belt in karate. Um, but in terms of Miluim, he had no end in sight, when I understand. He wanted to keep serving his country for as long as his body would let him, as long as, I guess, the Army would let him as well. So maybe he got one of these letters saying... Uh, but I don't think you would get one of those. It must be. It must be. Second war hero. It must be uh, heartwarming for you to surround yourself with these types of people in the years that you're in Israel. It's it's really again. I mentioned it before, but there is a. If people aren't aware, there is a close knit group of all uh, you know pro-Israel activists. Uh, specifically, there you know in Judea and Samaria. I mean, there, there are others who share our views who don't live in Judea and Samaria, and we've actually started getting together more and more. We want to be able to cooperate and collaborate more and more on projects involving advocacy and public diplomacy, so that we can come out with a unified, united message. There are so many people uh, in this. I would, so many, but in this small group who are doing so many different wonderful things, and you know, the more we can collaborate and be on the same page, um, the more we can do the type of work Ari was doing in order to get the message out and share the beauty of Israel and the truth of Israel and combat the anti-Israel media bias and all the things that he stood for. There is a network here, and you know, a couple of people called me. Yesterday, who well, I would say are part of this network, and uh, you know, you probably know them. I'm not going to go name by name, but you probably know them as well. Saying that, you know, there is there is a void, and we are all going to pick up together, and we are going to continue, and we're we have to work double, uh, put double our efforts into it because our, as I said before, our general uh, has fallen. So that's the situation. Yeah, that's for sure. I remind our listeners, uh, there's a GoFundMe campaign. If you go to the GoFundMe uh, website, you could just search Ari Fold, help his uh, family in a financial way recover from this uh, tremendous loss. And uh, obviously, we extend our condolences to the uh, extended Fold family, Ari's parents, wife, children, 
everybody who's um, proud to be related to him. I can only imagine how proud they are. Unfortunately, it has to be in these uh, circumstances. Uh, Josh, as usual, I thank you. And uh, continue fighting for the people, land, and state of Israel, as you always do. Thank you for helping us remember Ari Fold. And we should have, from this point forward, a Shana Tova, a Gemar Chatima Tova. And uh, let us be in touch on good occasions, please, sir. I mean, same to you and your staff and all your listeners. Same to everyone. Gemar Chatima Tova. Thank you, Josh. Josh Haston, he's amazing. It's unfortunate we had to bring him on for this, but he was there until early in the morning when the funeral and burial of Ari Fold took place uh, in the Gush. And uh, many of us are watching online, of course, the unbelievable words said by his uh, father and brothers and wife and children. And uh, our condolences to the Fold family, one of those great families in our community, and especially for those of us who are privileged enough to know them while they were here, so... We take extra pride in the fact that they started here in this area. Uh, there are certain families that are just amazing, incredible, incredible in the field of Jewish education, incredible in the field of of raising amazing kids, just incredible um, pieces of the of the immediate and greater Jewish community. So it's with great pain that uh, the collective Jewish world extends condolences to the Fold family.